The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com. Blockchain technology is seemingly used everywhere from cryptocurrency to logistics to even the mortgage writing process. Great, but what is it? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network, and today I'm joined by Haley Rice. She's Senior Vice President of Due Diligence Product Manager at Blue Water Financial Technologies. So Haley, thanks for joining me. Of course, thanks for having me. So I guess just to get started, uh, you know, when we're going to talk about something like blockchain, I think certainly uh, in any industry, there's there's a range of sort of tech savvy. So for the for the uninitiated, what what is blockchain? Uh, simply put, blockchain is a decentralized uh, distributed ledger, which means it stores data um, independently of a centralized institution. So it relies on the members uh, to validate and store versus a uh, central authority. And, and you know, we hear this when we talk about currency, NFTs, different ways people are trying to um, commoditize it. But how is it, how can we use this technology in the mortgage industry? Well, there's a, a variety of different applications in the mortgage industry. And I think people have a tendency to go straight to cryptocurrency when they talk about blockchain, because that's the way that it's most commonly being used. Um, in you know regular everyday life, um, but in terms of the mortgage industry, on all sides of the market, um, it's being used to originate mortgage loans. It's being used um, to trade and sell mortgage loans, and it's being used uh, to track title history. Um, it's not very the uses aren't widespread yet, but I think as um, we become more aware of the potential applications of blockchain, you're going to see more widespread adoption. And really, it's just a, a venue or a way for people to to share information, right? I mean, we, we, we're we more generally talking about trying to modernize systems here. And, and blockchain is one way to, as you're talking about, share information or to bundle and, and make uh, mortgage-backed securities available. It's just another way to do all of that, right? Correct. And and so what are what, as we're doing these things, what are some things that people need to to keep in mind? I mean, obviously, there's security concerns, but are there also some some legal concerns, and there might be overlap there with with privacy and legalities, right? Right. Data privacy is a huge factor um, in you know all sorts of different data trading mechanisms these days. But with respect to blockchain, um, the regulatory environment is really unclear um, in a lot of jurisdictions and at the federal level. Um, so as institutions are starting to plan on leveraging blockchain, they need to be prepared to sort of combine, you know, varieties of existing privacy laws and data security laws, and also sort of anticipate which way those regulatory environments are going to go. Um, so uncertainty is really the name of the game right now. And if someone's looking to sort of, you know, get get into using blockchain, if, if I'm somebody who hasn't been using it before, um, you know, obviously you'd want to, to look into the legal stuff. What are some great ways to sort of learn whether it's the legal stuff 
or the technical side and and what's available to them. You know, you're going to be speaking at our, our maximum acceleration panel on on Thursday. Uh, so, you know, conferences like that are a great way to do it. What are some other ways that people can sort of find good information? Obviously, if you try to to just, you know, go on the internet, you know, who knows if you're getting good info or not. What's a way to get good info on how to get started with blockchain? There are a ton of great local organizations that are exploring blockchain. Um, earlier this, or late last year, I suppose it was, uh, I attended, for example, the Block, Boston Blockchain Association uh, annual meeting. And uh, it was really great to just network and sort of see what other people were doing uh, with the technology. Um, but a lot of these organizations also run regular meetups. And the topics of those meetups are everything from blockchain 101 to very advanced discussions as to how they're building those things out. And as you mentioned before, you know, you can use this for, for all kinds of, of different um, functions within the mortgage industry. So for people who aren't familiar, um, I think I know the answer. We're going to ask you this anyway. If, if I want to get into blockchain, for example, to sort of do some of the underwriting and sharing information that way, that doesn't mean I have to take a full leap in and get into crypto and some things that may, perhaps as a, as a as somebody as an originator in this industry, I may not want to deal with. I don't have to do that, right? You can just pick and choose where to use blockchain. That's correct. Um, I think sometimes, you know, familiarizing ourselves with the different applications is helpful to understanding how blockchain works on a whole, but you're certainly able to pick and choose the different types of ways you want to engage with it. And as you said, it's not, you know, it's still not widespread, even as the industry moves to, to you know, embracing artificial intelligence and, and automating every pros- every aspect of, of the loan writing process that we can. But are you seeing are you seeing a rise in this? Are you seeing the industry embracing blockchain as the future? Absolutely. I think that there's way more discussions about it even over the course of the last twelve months than there were uh, at this time last year. I think you know uh, some of the larger organizations with uh, lots of resources and innovation departments are really taking deep looks at this. I think some of the smaller operators are at least starting to join the discussion, uh, learning about what it is, learning about how some of the larger institutions are using it, and maybe how they're able to uh, jump in and start participating as well. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. And what are some of the ways that blockchain might be different from other technology that's out there, artificial intelligence and things that can automate is do the does it run complementary with blockchain? Does it fill in gaps? Does it do something different? If I'm sort of considering my options, you know, how is blockchain different or complementary to some other ways of automating the uh, the whole loan writing process? Sure. Um, so it it definitely runs in tandem with things like AI, um, you know, and and those sorts of things. Uh, one of the more attractive things, I'm a lawyer by trade, so one of the most attractive things to me is uh, the concept of smart contracts which are, you know, basically a self-executing contract. um, And they have the terms and everything written directly into the lines of code. Um, So that's something that as you're seeing loans and assets being transferred on the secondary market, um, for example, you can essentially build a smart contract 
infrastructure um, where some of those transfers of funds and transfers of assets can be automated. Effectively, if X, Y, and Z condition are true, then the contract's gonna be executed and the transition is going to commence from there. Um, so I think that you'll see that that saves a lot of time uh, and money for the people that start leveraging that. And I think sort of you, you sort of bring up an interesting point, even if that was sort of unintended, is that you know there's a lot of ways that this is already happening with, for example, if X, then Y applications that people can use to sort of automate, you know, something happens out there and I wanna put it in a spreadsheet or I wanna, to have something happening result in another thing happening. There's a lot of ways that this is already sort of infiltrating our everyday lives, whether we realize it or not, right? Absolutely. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things that sort of starts running in the background and people may not necessarily be aware uh, that blockchain is starting to become part of more regular use, especially at the consumer level. Um, but you're going to see, I think, some institutions start to use it. And then, you know, some period of time down the road, people are going to say, oh, that was a blockchain transaction. I had no idea. And and as we see more working from home uh, and we see, you know, millennials and Gen Z who want uh, perhaps a sort of a hybrid model where we can talk to somebody when we want to, but there's also some automation um, that's ultimately going to push the industry towards things like blockchain, I would imagine. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the way that I see blockchain coming in uh, is, you know, more of a background kind of storage mechanism. And, um, you know, I suppose at the consumer level, things like smart contracts could take the place of, you know, consumer to business communication, if that's something that the consumer was looking for. Um, but I, you know, see it more as, as a back end opportunity in that regard. Um, I think concepts that um, like fractionalized ownership may be uh, something where you see that touch more onto Gen Z and consumer uh, everyday lives. Um, you know, and again, that's a blockchain enabled concept, um, but not necessarily blockchain exclusive. And and because it's sort of, as you, you describe it, running in the background, if I'm somebody who realizes I've fallen behind on my my use of technology, I really need to get with the time. Um, should they just jump in or because of some of the legal concerns and, and privacy and security concerns, should they sort of, you know, is this a situation where slow is fast, sort of do it in increments, see what works for you, see what you're comfortable with, see what you can work with and sort of do it uh, in increments or should they just, you know, go, go full bore, embrace it and see it sort of jumpstart your uh, operation? Um, I think that either way, I think it depends on, you know, how, I think it depends on the end objective of the, the institution. Um, if they're really looking to commit the time and the resources to doing a complete overhaul, um, and they, they're able to dedicate that, I think it makes sense to, you know, really utilize all the solutions that are available because the greatest efficiencies are going to be realized from grabbing as many pieces of blockchain enabled technology as possible. Um, but it's certainly possible to take a small piece, you know, to start working with title history or start working with smart contracts or something. Um, and I think that's sort of the beauty of the technology is that you're able to make it as uh, far reaching into your organization as you are prepared to do. Um, and that's really helpful to implementing. And then just lastly, you know, we, we talked about the legal stuff. And as you'd mentioned, regulations are kind of still an uncertainty. And I guess I just want to drill down a little bit more as we talk to people about 
um, you know, implementing it and, and working with local groups. I would imagine one of the benefit of working with, you know, if there's a group in your community or if you're part of an organization in that chapter, they understand lo- local and state regulations, I would imagine, are a thing when you're talking about sort of the, the questions. Every state might have different privacy requirements that that um, you have to keep in mind as you're you're implementing this, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think it would be advisable, um, you know, for the local chapters of, um, you know, mortgage banking associations to start putting their heads together and saying, you know, these are the problems that we're foreseeing uh, in our state potentially with the way that blockchain is operating or is intending to operate and just, you know, getting as many voices to the table to troubleshoot it before, um, you know, others may come in and say it has to be done this way. Absolutely. Haley, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Mike. You can learn all about blockchain in the mortgage industry at the New England Mortgage Expo Thursday and Friday at Mohegan Sun. Haley will be part of a panel of experts talking on Thursday. Sign up at anymortgageexpo.com. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. The Originator Connect Network, the nation's largest producer of mortgage events, is about fostering a community founded on professionalism, collaboration, and personal and professional growth connecting you to the story of your success. Here are your headlines for today, January 11th. Less than five months after a company executive told clients that correspondent lending continues to play a key role, Wells Fargo announced plans to exit the correspondent business. The Community Home Lenders of America said it is deeply disappointed that Wells Fargo is pulling out of the correspondent loan business, pulling out of buying even government agency loans with little or no risk. In other news, Defy Mortgage, which is based in Nashville, Tennessee, announced its national launch of non-QM lending. While the company has announced itself as a national mortgage lender, according to the nationwide multi-state licensing system, it is currently licensed in just six states, Colorado, Florida, Montana, Oregon, Tennessee, and Texas. And finally, after falling more than 13% over the final two weeks of last year, mortgage applications rebounded in the first week of January. The MBA says mortgage loan application volume increased 1.2%. This has been The Principle, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.